Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Biz How To. Welcome to the breakfast show. For many businesses, the decision to enlist the expertise of a consultant is often a strategic move aimed at navigating challenges, capitalizing on opportunities, and fostering growth. But a true measure of success lies not just in securing consultancy services, but in extracting maximum value from the collaboration. But at which point of a business do you engage a business consultant? How do you select the right one to work with? And so, if you've hired one, how do you make your money's worth? In today's Biz How To, let's explore how to ensure that your investment pays off by asking critical questions about the selection, engagement, and outcomes of working with a business consultant. Let's invite our expert today, Vikram Chakravarti. He is the ASEAN Strategy and Transactions Leader at EY. Good morning, Vikram. How are you doing today? Hi, Ryan. Very well, thank you. Vikram, great to have you on and you are the right person to ask, when should a business consider hiring a consultant? I heard your intro and I think you got it nailed. Uh, essentially, making decisions has always been difficult, but in today's world, it's incredibly hard. You have massive megatrends to make sense of geopolitics, as you mentioned, uh, digital, AI, fundamental cost takeout issues, etc. And to make sense of that and make a decision around it, you need an outside support sometimes. And this outside support can come in with specific knowledge. They can come in with an understanding of how other people are dealing with. But perhaps most importantly, have a comprehensive view to your firm to help you navigate and make a decision and importantly, implement against it. Yeah, Vikram, so you've got to consider a lot of things uh, when you're hiring a consultant. What sort of factors that are going to be crucial when you want to get so-called bang for your buck when you're selecting a consultant? Yeah, bang for your buck is a complicated conversation, but essentially most consultants, at least the high quality ones, should be working with you for a long period of time to be able to give you the maximum value for your organization. Mm. And what you're trying to do is build that up over a period of time. So first from firms like us, we spend a lot of time thinking about total shareholder returns or market cap for our, for our clients over a period of time. One of the things we try to do is in this long-term relationship building, we will only focus on the bits that we think are sensible and need to be done for the organization and stay away and hold back on actions or activities that we think might be value-destroying or may not really have the long-term value impact that a firm needs to have. Yeah, Vikram, I imagine the success of a collaboration is as much as you put in, right? It's not going to be a one-way street when it comes to this conversation. So how can a business actively engage with a consultant to grow? So, Ryan, I think at the heart of this, there are a couple of elements. And you must think about how the view to consultants has changed over a period of time. In back to 30, 40 years ago, all you were looking for is somebody with very specific technical capabilities that you may not have had. Over a period of time, we've realized, all firms have realized that it is very difficult to make a decision within an organization, let alone change and implement a new path. So therefore, bringing somebody in who's in for the long haul is very important, number one. But perhaps equally important is that this firm must have the view that is comprehensive. It shouldn't just be a narrow technical view or just one trick pony. They need to have a comprehensive view to where you're trying to take the organization. When we designed the strategy business at EY, we fundamentally changed the way we were going to do this, right? So we didn't just come in doing growth work or cost uh, takeout work or specific digital work, we actually brought a comprehensive capability that allowed us to both look at the p and the balance sheet of an organization. I would also say that given that you're in for the long haul, try to look for people you trust 
fundamentally and can have a chemistry with. Because without that, you're not going to be able to get the outcomes that you're looking for. Yeah, I think part of the equation also is about managing expectations. Now, when it comes to misconceptions that are out there around business consultants, what have you heard? <laughs> I think uh, the <laughs> consultants have been the butt of many jokes and I've heard pretty much all of them. I think there's a uh, jib about us that says, you know, uh, I'll, let me borrow your watch and I'll tell you the time. And I think that's probably true. I, I think there is certainly an aspect of that that we do. The reality, though, is, as we've discovered a period of time, is that if you go around an organization and get watch from 10 people within their organization, not everybody has the same time, mm. let alone do they know which parts they want to be moving forward towards. So, look, I think some of the jibes are accurate, but I would also say that the reality is organizations are complex. It's very hard to come to conclusions and decisions and very hard to motivate people to move in one direction. A consultant comes in with an outside-in view, uses a pragmatic database approach, typically is able to find a path forward through a complex world and is able to rally people around it. You need, of course, and I think you mentioned this, that both the firm and the consultant have to be doing this together. Nobody has a magic answer to any organization. So to hope that, you know, that will happen is unlikely. But if you work together and you can come to a better conclusion, I think that's the path forward. Yeah, I suppose there are many moving parts and the consultant offers a point of view from outside the bubble, so to speak. We're in conversation with Vikram Chakravati. He is the ASEAN Strategy and Transactions Leader at EY. And I think this is a good time to bring up the question, how do you figure out if the hiring of a consultant is successful? How do you measure it? Yeah, so, uh, Ryan, we were talking about the fact that most of our clients, we would like to have a long-term relationship. So the argument is much like any other service firm, we're looking for customer satisfaction scores within. So if you keep getting hired, you're probably doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. But an outside-in view would be a long-term shareholder return or market capitalization or some broader metric, which we fundamentally believe is the right way to go about it. So we look for internal scores and we also look for external validation which is through the stock market or capital raising or better credit scores, etc. Now, I suppose when it comes to effectiveness, there's going to be an ROI question, right? How much is too much to pay for a consultant? Oh, I, I you know, that's a tricky question <laughs> to go into. Uh, but the reality is most consulting, most consulting programs that we run on have an ROI of about 10x of what mm. is spent, right? So in fact, Ryan, the reality today is we do a lot of fees at risk work. So, for example, if we're trying to help you get to a certain outcome, we are oftentimes willing to put skin in the game and take only a small percentage of that as a fixed fee and the rest of it is totally outcome-based. And that's proven to be incredibly successful for mm. both sides. I, the client obviously gets the quote-unquote ROI, but reality is we actually are able to work much closer with the client, but our incentives are aligned to be able to get to the same outcome. So we find that the natural resistance or, you know, etc., is overcome because both sides are motivated to do the right thing. Yeah, talking about some of these um, collaborations between business and consultants, there are many examples. What would be at the top of your mind when it comes to some of the case studies? You know, and we can't obviously speak about our clients openly, but I can share one program that we're very proud of that we run in Singapore. Enterprise Singapore in runs a program called Scale Up for startups and SMEs to help them go from, let's say, a $40, $50 million business to a $500 plus million business or actually getting to a billion in some cases. We've been in, engaged with Scale Up for the last five years or so. And we've had each year we pick a cohort of about five or six companies 
and we spent a whole year working with them. And it's proven to be an incredible experience because we've taken firms that were, in some cases, just an idea. And in some cases, they were listed, but flatlining in terms of growth and profitability. In those scenarios, we've actually spent a really interesting amount of time with the founder owners, with the senior management and the rank and file to help reshape what is their vision. And we found that Singaporean companies have incredible products and ideas, but oftentimes don't have the ambition to becoming a world champion. So we've helped them think about a broad global vision, helped them think about scaling up their business, both from a dollars and cents, but also in multiple markets, sometimes shaping, getting rid of some products and focusing on a few things, targeting a few markets that they originally thought was too difficult. So for example, we've held a company in Singapore go to the Americas and start it off. We've helped a biotech company raise capital through COVID. They're wonderful examples there and we're very proud of the work we've done. But actually, it's a, it's a testament to the great entrepreneurial spirit that resides in Singapore. We've just been watching and working with them to get to them, get them to full potential. Yeah, Vikram, talk about some advice you give um, companies. How do you help them to stay adaptable and re- relevant over time? You know, to make sure their advice stands the test of time, to make sure that they can continue to uh, evolve and stay relevant? Brian, that's a very wise question. The reality is winning companies don't win forever. So a champion company with a champion idea oftentimes flatlines or indeed sadly uh, falls off and falls off a precipice and dies a slow death. We try, we try our level best to stay engaged with companies. We have some relationships that stretch back decades. And it goes to the DNA and culture at EY where we fundamentally believe that we're here for a long haul. And therefore, you know, a 20, 30-year journey with clients is oftentimes the case. We've also worked with companies that have historically been very successful, but over the last 10, 15 years find themselves on the wrong side of history. So they find that, you know, the younger, smaller upstarts have come around and beaten them, taken away the glory, oftentimes taken away the market share and market uh, market valuations. We try to go back and diagnose what the problem is. Making change in large organizations is very difficult. And we spend a lot of time trying to diagnose what it takes, creating a burning platform, shedding the company of its inhibitions to be able to pivot and make a shift. Uh, these are not easy to do, but we've been successful in some occasions and we're very proud of the journey we've been able to undertake with some of our clients. Yeah, Vikram, that's a very good point, right? Managing to win over your stakeholders. How do businesses overcome that hurdle? Because it's pretty much the company's mindset as well. You can offer a business plan, a blueprint, but how do you get everybody on board? Spot on, spot on. The reality is that there are multiple uh, naysayers within an organization, not just at senior management level, but middle management oftentimes is in transcendent around change. Uh, you might have stakeholders beyond the company that are difficult to calibrate, so suppliers, bankers, so on and so forth. Right? What you really need is two things. You need a motivated senior team that really knows that they're willing to go for it. And that's something that I have to say, we've been blessed to work with in Singapore in the last decade or so, because we've seen an incredible shift in a value orientation of some of these organizations. The second element here is that you need to work to build an absolutely clear point of view that helps you navigate this madness. So as soon as you start doing that and you start going on massive campaign, both internally and externally to communicate what you're trying to do, 
you might you can win over people and sometimes you have to run small pilots to show that you can get there you need to show some experiments that might work to get people motivated you need to you can design teams in a way to get people motivated there are a few tricks and ways of doing it but the reality is nothing overcomes the fact that you need vision and leadership from on top all right, a fantastic overview from Vikram Chakravarti. He's the ASEAN Strategy and Transactions Leader at EY, talking about how to get your money's worth when you're hiring a business consultant. Well, that's a great conversation to look into. Thank you for your time today, Vikram. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. All right, stay Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.